And we want to just do a quick update on our Come Alive initiative, our two-year initiative. Next week is something huge for us as a church. And if you're new here or visiting Radiant Life for the first time, welcome. My name is Ryan, lead pastor, and you are welcome to grab information bags. These bags are for you to take, one per person. And so if you came here with your spouse, you take two bags home or whatever, but they're there. They're all of our information. Please take it. If you don't have one, come up after service and grab that. But next week, we all should have gotten at some point over the last couple weeks a commitment card. And if you don't have this, you can go to the Welcome Center right after service and grab this commitment card. And all we've been asking you to do is just pray over it. Press in and seek God. What is He calling you to do above and beyond your normal tithe and offering? What is He calling us to do? And briefly, I want to make one more statement. Be praying this next week very hard over this. Because I know oftentimes in my life when God's going to do something amazing, that's when the enemy wants to strike the greatest. Okay? And we're going to do an awesome thing next week with these. So uh, real quick on this commitment card, I want you to understand a couple things. Number one, I have no idea what people will commit. Okay? That's between you and God. Right? We have these cards because we got to keep track of what actually comes in. But there's only two people that we're going to know in the entire church. Our treasurer and then Pam, our, our Come Alive initiative director. And they're, they're the only ones. I'm not going to have any idea what gives. This is between you and God. Right? That's between you and God. So bring that next week and we'll have others there. Also, I talked to someone that says, you know what? I just don't have a lot of money. And I'm like, that's all right. It's absolutely okay. Can you give any sacrificially? Can you save a dime, one dime for the next two years in a jar per week, right? Can you save a penny? A penny will get you $1.10 into the initiative. That's cool, right? We know some people can give a lot and some people can give less. Resources are different. But whatever God's asking you to do, my heart and prayer is do that, okay? Just be obedient to what God's calling. Don't feel like $5 isn't going to be enough. If $5 is significant to you, then you're making a significant sacrifice for God's kingdom. Make sense? So just keep pressing and seeking God. And we got a cool story from Brandon's going to share with us, a cool story of what's happened in our Radiant Kids and this Come Alive initiative. Yeah, I, I'm beyond blessed to be in my role here at the church because I get to hear your guys' stories, and it's absolutely amazing. So if you have a story, um, come see me after service or uh, give me a call here at the office. But I had a conversation with Faith Gardner who works uh, in the back with the kids. She actually works with the preschoolers. And this was back at when we first launched Come Alive, and, and they were explaining this to the kids, and the kids were super pumped. They're like, yeah, we're going to have two indoor playgrounds. It's going to be awesome. And the kids were super pumped about that. And then she's, she pressed in a little bit more of like, you know, why, why are we building a bigger building? And the kids are like, so more people can come here about Jesus. And so these are preschoolers. Keep this in mind. Preschoolers are saying this. And there's this one little girl that came up, and she's like, I hope that our church gets bigger because I want my daddy to come hear about Jesus because my daddy doesn't know about Jesus yet. A preschooler gets it. Like, it's not about having a cool big building. It's because we have the greatest message ever we want to share Jesus with other people. I think that's pretty awesome with the little preschoolers they're getting. That's awesome. Can we get a hand for that little pre- I don't even know who that was. That's awesome. So awesome. I had a conversation with a random person yesterday. 
And my conversation went along the lines of they're interested in our uh, building expansion and why. And they're like, man, we've just seen the growth from the outside. It's a community member. And this person said, I don't even go to your church. But it's pretty encouraging to see what God's doing and how your people are responding. And he, I did not say he, it could have been a he or she. Let's just go with that, all right? This person responded and I was just like, hey, you know, bless God. It's, I mean, this is a blessing of God, what's happening. It's his movement. And uh, he just said, it is so encouraging to see it. I'm so excited for our community when it's all done. He, she said, uh, this person said, I can't wait to see the community come alive because of us and what God's doing. So awesome, awesome, awesome. Next week, big week for us, guys. Just keep pressing in uh, and seeking God above and beyond. We're in a teaching series called All In, and this is our third week. And so I want to just talk to you for a moment. And if you missed any of the uh, previous weeks, it's all online at theradiantlife.church. Click media, and all of our messages are up to date now. But how many of you like bonfires or campfires? You like fires? Yeah. I like big fires, like massive fires, right? So last week, not last week, that would be weird to do a fire and it's cold. Last year in the summertime, my kids had their friends over from where we used to live up in the Grand Rapids, Holland area. We had them come over for a couple days in the summer. They're hanging out. They're like, dad, we want marshmallows. We want to make s'mores. And I'm like, all right, I got to build a fire now, right? So I don't know much about fires. I think you make a teepee, like that's what I'm guessing, and then you throw in maybe some newspaper or something down there just to light it on fire. Listen, I'm not a handyman. I don't even know what a socket wrench is. I don't, but I know a lot about fashion and hair products and interior decorating. <laughs> I can tell you what shoes look really cool and not. I mean, I'm, I'm that guy, okay? Sorry. All right. Who decorates your house, your wife or Ryan? Ryan. Okay. That's a true statement as well. <laughs> These men are like, I'm finding a different church. <laughs> I'm out of here. So I tried it. I built it. I tried it. And then I had one of those lighters, the long ones that you light like candles or something with. And it's just not going. I'm like, all right. I can't be the failure dad that can't start a fire. And it dawned on me. I got to gas in the garage. I've seen movies. So I go to the garage and get a little gas tank thing, this pl red plastic thing. You guys know what that is? And there was a lot in there. It was like a gallon of it. And I undid the nozzle and just started, yeah, this baby's going to go. But again, I've seen movies, and I know how those things will go up in flames after I just did this. But I'm like, I'm not feeling, I'm going to be a super cool dad here. And so I'm, I know something's going to happen. So I kind of lean away from it, but trying to get the lighter down there. I got down, I'm like, okay. I was actually nervous at first because I just didn't know what was going to happen. And I lit it, and whoo! And I was like, that's awesome. And I felt like I got my man card back a little bit in the moment. And then I started to smell something. 
It smells like burned hair. <laughs> then I realized my entire right arm has been singed. I have no more arm hair anymore. And so, like, I kind of brush the crusty stuff off, and I'm like, well, what else is burning on me? I feel my eyebrows. Dude, my eyebrows got singed. Then my first thought is, not my hair. <laughs> I ran in. My hair was good. It was good. We just did it. It was good. <laughs> but I think oftentimes, following Jesus can be very similar. Not worrying about our hair. But I think sometimes following Jesus is we got to start an act of arson in order to truly follow Jesus. So this morning, I want to talk to us all about this one idea, ridiculous surrender. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about ready to get ridiculous. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, you're ridiculous. Okay? More of you like the second one. That's all right. This morning, we want to jump into Scripture. So if you have God's Word, if you have a tablet or phone, will you turn with me to the Older Testament, to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to start at verse 19. But I'll give you just a second to get there, and it'll be on the screens as well if you don't have God's Word with you this morning. There's going to be something ridiculous about to happen in this portion of Scripture that we're going to look at. To set up 1 Kings, we have to understand there's a prophet on the scene by the name of Elijah. Elijah was probably known as the greatest prophet in all of Israel's history. He did 14 miracles. A lot of people looked to him, and man, he's just a stud. He's the mouthpiece of God. They really looked up to the prophet Elijah. Now God's going to have a conversation with this prophet. He's going to say, Elijah... It's time for you to begin to transfer your authority over to a guy by the name of Elisha because your time as prophet's about ready to end. And so Elijah goes out and he's going to find the next person to take his place as prophet, Elisha. So 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19 begins this way. So Elijah went from there Where's there? His conversation with God. He went from there and found Elisha, son of Saphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So the writer's telling us something significant in this moment right here. Number one, there's 12 pairs of oxen, so there are 24 ox in. Ox. Oxen. Oxen. Yeah, there's 24. Anyways, there's 24 of them. What do we know about that? Elisha is wealthy. Back in the ancient times, you were lucky if your family had one pair. And here we know there are 24 of them. There are 12 pair of oxen, and Elisha was driving the 12th pair. The question goes, well, who's driving the pair 1 through 11? More than likely, his family's servants, because they're wealthy. So this is probably a very large farm that Elisha and his family have. Story continues. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. 
Now we have to understand the cloak was your authority and your power and your influence. So Elijah is basically coming up and saying, I'm transferring everything that I have, my authority, my power unto you, Elisha. Then Elijah goes away. Verse 20, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and what, friends? Slaughtered them. You think about that and you're like, wow, really? Just because a prophet comes to you and says, hey, basically, here's my cloak. You're going to have my authority, my power given to me by God. You're the next prophet. He's going to go back and he's going to kill his ox. One ox would usually feed about five people. He kills 24. This is the first golden corral right here. Yeah, he's feeding, he's cooking them all, baby. It's buffet like crazy. And then something bizarre is going to take place. He, can we read these four words together? He burned the plowing equipment <laughs> to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. What we have to see what was so bizarre in the midst of this story is that here's a prophet that comes after you, Elisha. He sits there and says, hey, you're the next prophet. All right. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and kill my oxen. And not only that, I'm going to burn my plowing equipment. Like that looks so selfish on Elisha's part. You could have used that plowing equipment and given it to your family so they can continue the business. Or go to the local Jerusalem Goodwill and donate it. But instead, Elisha makes a huge statement. It was symbolic for him. He burned everything. This morning, I want to talk about two things on the idea of ridiculous surrender. Number one is this. Ridiculous surrender breaks us from our past. For Elijah in that moment, he was breaking away from his old life. Elisha, there was no going back. He had nothing to go back to. His ox are dead. Not only that, he's burnt the plowing equipment. It's his all-in statement. So if this thing that following God and following the prophet Elijah doesn't work out for him, he can't go back. There's nothing left to go back to. And I think, I think following Jesus will oftentimes require us to burn the plows of our past. Just like Elisha. To make an all-in statement that Jesus, I'm going to follow you no matter what the cost is. And there's nothing that's tethering me to the past. It was an all-in statement for Elijah. It meant everything for Elisha. My question for us is, how many of us have plows? How many of us are really just trying to seek after Jesus and follow him? 
But we realize we keep coming back to the plow. We keep coming back to that addiction. Man, I'm following Jesus. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. I want to go wherever you go. I'm all in. But the plow, my addiction, my bad habit. But I want to follow you. But we keep coming back to the plow. Maybe for others, the plow represents work. Maybe you know deep down in your heart, God's calling you to something else. Another job, another career. But deep down, but this is safety, this plow and what I'm doing. And I'm scared because I don't know where God's going to take me. I don't know if I want to burn it and leave my job yet. I know it's right in my heart, but this is so familiar to me. And you keep coming back. What about our unforgiveness and bitterness that we hold against one another? Jesus, I'm all in. I love when you forgive me when I mess up, but I can't forgive that one person. We've got to burn the plows. We've got to burn the plows of our bad habits, of our addictions, of our unforgiveness, of our bitterness, things that are tethering us back and not allowing God to take us where we need to go. Elisha says, I'm all in. There is no turning back. Are you all in, friends? Are you all in? Or do we keep getting tethered back to the plow? You know what my plow was? Plows can be bad things. Plows can be good things. What I realized was my plow was my will. You know, I I had great plans for God. (laughs) You know, like, hey, God, I'm going to tell you what my career is and how much I should make. And then, by the way, I need two vacation homes, one on the beach and one in the mountains. I mean, I know, high maintenance. And... um, God, you're along for the ride. I've got great plans for you. And it was one afternoon in the shower. I was like, why aren't these plans working out? (laughs) God, they're awesome for you. And the light bulb clicked. God says, you haven't surrendered your will to me. You want me in the passenger seat. I want to take the driver's seat. I remember getting down in the midst of the shower. And I remember saying, with my hands out like this, I said, God, I surrender my will. It's not about me, it's about you. And I gave my plow that I kept coming to back to God. I think some of us this morning, we just need a flamethrower. I really wanted a prop flamethrower. How awesome would that have been? And we got to burn our plows that keep us back. So turn to your neighbor and say, burn the plow. Turn to your other neighbor because they didn't hear it loud enough and tell them, burn your plow. Ridiculous surrender breaks us from our past. Some of us got to stop running to past hurt. Some of us got to stop running to say, I'm not good enough. Stop it. You're forgiven. You're loved. Now walk in your freedom. Because the enemy wants to keep you coming here. God's saying, no, 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 burn it and walk with me. And don't ever turn back. And once you burn it, there's nothing to go back to. There's only Jesus. Ridiculous surrender 
breaks us from our past. And my final idea with ridiculous surrender is this. Ridiculous surrender breathes into others new life. Not only does it breathe into you new life, But the idea of burning this and you're walking in freedom now and other people will see that. What is different? What are you? Dude, I got to share about Jesus with you. You know what Elisha, the audacity of Elisha, he went to God and he asked for a double portion of God's blessing. Have you ever asked God, God, I want twice as much as normal. But Elisha had that audacity and I sit there and go, why? Why have I never prayed, God, bless me double? And I realize Elisha can pray that because he burnt his plow. He was never going back to his old way of living. He was sold out, all in to who Jesus was. And so he's like, God, if I'm all in, and there's going to be amazing things, I want double portion. And you know what God gave him? Double portion blessing. Elijah. Again, that one of the greatest prophets in the nation of Israel did 14 miracles. His successor, Elisha, did 28. Exactly double of what his predecessor did. And you know what number 28 was? Elisha was dead. He was in the ground. His bones were there. A group of people just walked by, and they had a dead man, and through the dead man, they didn't know Elisha was there. They just plop, plop, plop him in. Walk away, and all of a sudden, the dude comes back to life because he touches the bones of Elisha. When we have ridiculous surrender in our lives, not only will we burn the plows and break us from our past, but it will allow us to breathe into others' new life. I want to close with this image one more time of this fire. I love big fires. Don't tweet this on Facebook but because I said we got to start an act of arson. I don't want a bunch of fires happening everywhere, okay? Don't tweet that. Don't go on Facebook. My question is, what do you need to leave behind to go all in for Jesus? What do you need to burn up? What do you need to set on fire? Is it your past? Is it your failures? Is it fear? What is your plow to you? I want to take a moment and you can continue just turning down the lights. What is that one thing that you can say, God, I'm all in wherever you take me. I know there's a little fear. And I know sometimes it may be painful. Because the plow represents familiarity. It represents comfort. It represents the known. And sometimes it hurts to burn it. But if God is calling us this way, this is the way we're going to go. If God's calling you to something greater in your life, you've got to be obedient and follow where he's calling you. What is it you've got to burn? I'm going to just give you a minute just between you and God in this moment. 
I said, God, what do I need to set on fire for you? Is it your life? Is it your will? What is it? Just allow the Holy Spirit right now just to seek Him right now in this moment. God, here's my life. What are you calling me into?